Own Your Creativity, episode 45. We can all agree, I think, that no one gets up in the morning saying, Today I'm going to be as arrogant, controlling, dismissive, and domineering as I possibly can be. You're listening to the Own Your Creativity podcast with me, your host, Elizabeth Johnston. I'm an author, professor, and podcaster, and I help people tell their story. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. Happy solstice. It's the winter solstice today, December 21st. And in today's episode, I'm going to be talking about how to think about your client and how to think about them in terms of the stories that you tell yourself about who your client is and also the stories that you're telling yourself about yourself and your expertise and why this is so important in terms of attracting your clients and specifically your ideal clients. So I was inspired to start talking about this topic from a question that I received uh, in the email. And so this was the question that I received. Now, although I have my two and five minute elevator pitches down, I still encounter the really controlling type of person that feels they have all the answers they need to understand the concept that I work on. No time to listen and they get impatient. The result is that I feel I have to gather and deliver all of this information and over-deliver in different directions, and finally, after jumping through all these hoops, I feel like my idea still wasn't presented in the best possible way. And I would like to craft a story for this dominant type of person, the Myers-Briggs ENTJ, who collects the benefits while I am more of an ISTJ, the opposite type of person who does the grunt work because no one else will. Now, if you're not familiar with Myers-Briggs personality types, then you can just Google it. There's tons of stuff out there, but uh, essentially there's 16 different types of personalities and they have their requisite strengths and weaknesses in each of the categories and it's helpful to understand where you might be placed because then you understand how best to work with your strengths and uh, that's something that we'll talk a little bit more later on in this episode. So this question that I received, there is a lot going on in there. And it's going to take a little bit of unpacking as we go through today's episode. So bear with me as I take you through it step by step. Now, it's a really interesting question from the perspective of storytelling, the stories we tell ourselves about who we are and who our clients are. First thing to notice about this question is the underlying assumptions. If you characterize your client as someone who is essentially an arrogant (laughs) know-it-all, which this Myers-Briggs personality type can sometimes be considered, then you have a problem right off the bat. When you have a negative view of someone or their behavior, it's going to be hard to track them as a client. That opinion that you have of them will filter through your tone and your attitude. Then you antagonize them on many nonverbal levels, even before you're able to get past your elevator pitch. So you'll turn them off even before you're out of the gate. Secondly, if you really believe your clients, 
in general are arrogant, how likely are you going to be able to help them? This is going to interfere with your ability to help them and their ability to learn and grow with you. Not only that, people find it difficult to ask for help at the best of times, right? (laughs) So why add to your challenge of your business by purposely going after potential clients you consider difficult to work with? And in a way that you can consider this quality um, as a negative. In order for you to help someone, they need to admit they need help. And that means they need to leave their arrogance behind at least long enough to hire someone to help with their problem. That kind of person should that that's the kind of person that you should be going after the people who value what you do and ideally ask to work with you in fact they're beating a path to your door because they have seen all the good work that you've done or heard about all the work that you've done um, that is so helpful to their colleagues or peers so how do you make this happen well i'll talk about that a little bit later Now, the other half of this person's question dealt with his description of himself as the person who, quote unquote, does the grunt work because no one else will. Now, to my ear, there's a bit of bitterness (laughs) and even some whining going on there, which is not a criticism. I've been there. I've done this myself. It sounds as though the person feels underappreciated, undervalued, and even invisible. I mean, how many of you out there have ever felt any of those things, underappreciated, undervalued, or invisible? I have my hand raised here. Now, it's a tough place to be in. I've been there myself, and so I know it's not a productive place to be in. Believing that about yourself is just as damaging as casting your potential client in a negative light. It just doesn't work. With that attitude, you carry a big chip on your shoulder and you may be inadvertently letting that belief leak out in your tone of voice and in the way you talk about yourself and about your expertise. In fact, it's very likely that that is the case. And if so, it's guaranteed to turn off your potential clients. No one wants to work with someone who seems to have low self-esteem, right? And if you aren't your own best cheerleader, how likely is it that anyone else will be? So what's the solution, you ask? Do you just throw your hands up in the air and give up? The answer is what I call reframing. And we do it using the principles of screenwriting or just in general story structure. Now, I talked about screenplay structure in episode 32. And uh, so if you want a more in-depth exploration of screenplay structure and the story structure, then you can go check that episode out after we finished up here. Now, reframing is just like it sounds. You take an idea and you take it out of the frame that it's in and you put it into a new frame. You look at it from a different angle. So in this instance, you'd reframe how you talk about yourself and then you reframe how you think about your clients. And this is going to affect the story that you come up with. Instead of talking about yourself as the person who does the jobs that no one else wants to do, You can say you have the market cornered because you have expertise that most people don't. 
You've helped so many entrepreneurs advance their business because you take care of this one particular area like no one else can. For example, I'm good with numbers. I could do my own taxes, but I just choose not to. I prefer hiring an expert to do the job and know they will probably find some ways to maximize my refund that I would miss. And it just wouldn't occur to me to consider that grunt work. It's just work that I don't want to do, right? So here I'm inviting you to reframe things like, oh, no one else will do it. It's like, no, I love doing this, you know, and the fact that nobody else does it, great, you know, this puts me in an enviable position. The next thing to reframe is how we view our prospective clients or even current clients for that matter. Now, this topic needs to be handled from two angles. So angle A is your point of view of your client and angle B is your ability to help them. Your view of your client, it's the same approach you take if you are writing a screenplay. You have your hero and you have a bad guy or an antagonist. The antagonist is the person who makes life complicated or miserable for your hero. Even though they may be quote-unquote bad, you as the writer need to love and respect the antagonist just as much as you do your hero. That's because even though the antagonist is the one making life difficult for your hero, the antagonist is also the agent of change for your hero. Without him or her, your main character does not grow and does not change for the better. So, when you write the story, you spend as much time as you need on creating as worthy a catalyst for change as you possibly can in the antagonist. It's the same thing when you are creating your avatar in your business. You embrace their good and bad qualities objectively and with empathy. That's the only way you can help them transform under your guidance. This leads me to angle B, your ability to help your clients grow, transform, and prosper. Just like a screenwriter who writes a script with a hero, an antagonist, and challenges, so do you, as a business owner, need to map out the transformation and pitfalls to that transformation that your client will likely experience. As you know, sometimes we are our own worst enemies. So, if you have a client who seems to be arrogant or has a tendency to ignore your advice, you need to anticipate that problem and guide them through that in your coaching. Unless you have a product such as a toaster, your service won't be a straight line from start to finish. There will be challenges and you as the guide need to allow for human foibles so that you can effectively help your client succeed despite them. In screenwriting, we talk about character in a particular way, and it's this. Character is action, and action is character. This means that we understand a character by what they do and what action they take in a given situation tells us who they are. So now, let's go back to consider that description of our potential client, the ENTJ a really controlling type of person, doesn't have time to listen, impatient, and more often than not, dominant. So in other words, arrogant, right? Now let's imagine 
We're watching a film about a CEO of a factory who isn't aware of how much he's polluting the environment. He's well within his legal limits in terms of his emissions, but he could do so much better. Since he's compliant, though, he doesn't worry about it anymore. It's like that problem's taken care of. He's focusing on other things. Instead, he goes about his business. Now, at a cocktail party, he meets a woman who is a business co-eco-expert. And her expertise is how to make little changes that translate into big savings for companies. She knows who this CEO is, and she's been dying to correct him on his errant ways. And no sooner do they exchange pleasantries than she goes for the jugular and really, you know, not putting him in a comfortable position where she can let him know how she could help him. And uh, and just instead just saying all the things that um, need to be changed and how underappreciated um, uh, people view what she does. So we know how this scene is going to end. If this were in a film, we know how it's going to end, don't we? Even before there is any chance to bring a positive change into the factory owner's world, he felt her attitude towards him and also recognized her low self-esteem or at least her low expectation of being seen as an expert. So, you know, two, at least two turnoffs at once, and this is not good for business. <laughs> so let's take a step back and reframe this scene. We can all agree, I think, that No one gets up in the morning saying, today I'm going to be as arrogant, controlling, dismissive, and domineering as I possibly can be. Yet it is possible that they come across that way, and and we do know people like this, right? More likely, they wake up, and if they are even conscious of saying anything to themselves, it's something like, today I'm going to be more focused, driven, ambitious, and reach all of my business goals so that I can take care of me and my family and my debts, or whatever it is. Now, these are actually traits that ENTJs are known for, focus, drive, and ambition. So this is where the screenwriter can work their magic. You know that what is on the outside is often masking what is going on in the inside. That's just human nature, and it happens to all of us. There's more to all of us than meets the eye. And sometimes we hide our real intentions or ideas or thoughts um, in a veneer of protection for whatever reason. Now, the screenwriter uses this and crafts their story in such a way that the inside and the outside reach a place of congruency and harmony by the end of the film. That's the same job as a coach and many other service-based entrepreneurs. That, that's the same sort of thing that you need to do. You, as the coach, need to apply this insight in your dealings with potential or current clients. Instead of seeing a prospect and saying to yourself, arrogant, you reframe and say, seemingly arrogant on the outside is a veneer that hides the real traits of passion, focus, drive, and ambition. It's through these reframed traits that you can find a way to connect with your prospective client and help them reach new heights in their business. When you see your prospect as focused, driven, 
values oriented even, it's not only nicer to work with them, but you now have so many ways to approach them. If they are concerned with their image in the community, you can tell them a story about another business person whose business improved as a result of your help, and they are now a leader in their industry, or perhaps they saved enough money to contribute to a charity close to their heart. So it isn't about alphas and betas here. It's about knowing your ideal client's strengths and helping them express those strengths even more through what you bring to the table. This technique requires an ability to listen and utilize critical thinking skills in your business. When there's the slightest opening to demonstrate your expertise through the use of story, you should just dive in there, jump in, and don't let an opportunity pass for you to tell a compelling story of transformation and how you affect that change in people's businesses. And when you do that in their business, you do that in their lives. That's what's so powerful about story and framing what you do in terms of story. So in summary, always come from a position of strength, confidence, and wanting to help others with your expertise. I hope you found today's episode helpful. And if you have any other questions about using storytelling in your business or about bringing more creativity into your life or business, send me a message to info at ownyourcreativity.com or connect with me on Facebook in the Own Your Creativity Cafe. Until next time, own your creativity in life and in business.